Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of the Hoops Crush podcast. Joined, I'm joined by Brady Parks over there, and I'm Eric Brandt. Uh, good to have you here watching this video. Brady, how was your Christmas? How was, uh, we didn't, we didn't film last week. Um, how has your last two weeks been leading up to Christmas and all that? Uh, it's been pretty good, obviously. Unfortunately, really couldn't record last week. There was just so much going on. Uh, we really couldn't get schedules aligned, but Christmas was good. Got my kids some stuff, and uh, I didn't really do too much. I kind of just sat at home all day, basically. It didn't really Nothing feel, wrong with that. Yeah, it didn't feel like Christmas for the most part for me. I mean, I had family oh. on Christmas Eve, but uh, yeah, I don't know. For some reason this year, it just didn't hit the same, but obviously as you get older, I feel like that's probably going to be the case. But how was your Christmas? <laughs> Uh, mine was about as good as it could be under the circumstances. Uh, my wife and I were both really sick. Um, so we had to power through that uh, to make sure our kids had a, a good Christmas. I think they did. So that's all that really matters, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, that was a huge reason why we, we couldn't record and Christmas shopping. So our apologies for not being able to get an out <laughs> get out an episode last week. But there was just so much going on with the holiday season. But we are obviously officially back ready to roll and talk about our Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, so uh, since we last spoke, uh, they had a game against the Utah Jazz uh, two weeks ago in which the Jazz sat uh, most of their good players. I uh, think uh, Clarkson, Markinen, uh Collins were all missing in action from that game. And uh, the Blazers get thumped by the Jazz, despite them missing most of their good players. Uh, just, just a really bad uh, game. They just did not seem to show up for that one. And uh, man, that one kind of hurt. If we were, if there were any thoughts of trying to get back into a race for a play-in or or get close to five hundred or whatever, you gotta win those type of games. And uh, the Blazers were actually favored to win for the first time all year and uh, just frankly got their butts kicked in that one. So this uh, this game was the, was it the December 14th one? That's the last time we talked, I think. Or yeah, I'm pretty sure the second one was a, a little too long ago, I think. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're talking about the 14th one. So yeah, uh, for the most part, uh, I will say, uh, not for the most part, but in some of these Blazers videos, or not videos, <laughs> games i was very inconsistent in watching uh the games because of just uh whether it was my kids i had something going on with my kids or oh uh, whatever whatever it may be so i'm gonna try to fill in as much as i can i know uh there were some games i was able to pay attention to more than others but for this jazz game i do remember lawyer marketing they announced everybody out i remember talking to the group chat okay we better win this game and we just come out like super stagnant and slow and uh it, from the get-go, it felt like, okay, we're, we're losing this game. <laughs> like, this is the kind of game that we were supposed to win, and it's not going to happen. So, uh, uh, Scoot had a great game, though. Double-double, uh, 23-10, and 10, which Scoot, we'll keep talking about him uh, as he'll become a theme as we keep talking about these games. But, yeah, unfortunate loss, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it wasn't too shocking, in my opinion, because that's the kind of game, like, oh, wow, we should win this one, but, you know, we're not going to, so... Yeah, and then uh, a couple nights later, we took on the Mavericks, and uh, similar story. We just got down in the first half and kind of played them even from there. But um, several of these games over the last couple of weeks, uh, we've either had a really bad second quarter, or uh, a couple times we actually had a good second quarter, and uh, but mostly bad, and those have led to getting down double digits in a lot of these games and having to claw our way back. And unfortunately against the Mavericks, uh, they just couldn't get it close enough to make it a game at any point. The Mavericks just kind of held them around that 10 to, to 15 point mark the, the rest of the game. And the Blazers uh, never really got close enough to make it interesting. Yeah, Luka Doncic drops a 40-point triple-double on our head. At least Simons had a good game, but, yep, another one where we just fall short. And then we played the Warriors. Uh, we played oh, them tw twice over the last two weeks. Both had some interesting uh, drama at the end of the game. Uh, so this particular one, uh, we uh, 
if we're down four, Anthony Simons uh, gets an and one uh, layup slash runner. Um, he makes the free throw to make it a one point game. The Blazers foul Curry. He makes the first one. They send in the rebounding crew, which means DeAndre Ayton in to get the rebound. Uh, they weren't expecting Curry to miss, I don't think, but Curry does miss the second free throw. So the Blazers secure the rebound. Ayton grabs it, and they have the ball. They have a timeout. There's like five something left, five seconds or so left in the game. And uh, you would think you'd call timeout immediately, advance the ball and run a play call. You know, you have a timeout to call that five seconds is an awfully low amount of time to get a rebound, pass to someone and then have that that person try to take it up the court and get a good shot off. Um, but so Aiton grabs the rebound. And for some reason, he passes it before anyone calls a timeout. And then um, they still could have called the timeout with like two or three seconds left once they once uh, Sharp got the ball into the front court, but they didn't do that either. And Sharp tries to take it to the hoop, almost makes like a miraculous shot at, uh, through contact, but he misses and uh, Pods draws a charge and the Blazers end up losing the game. Um, what did you think of the lack of timeout and just the late game execution there? This is also the game where uh, the ball went off Stephen Curry's leg, right? Where we thought, yes, like, yes, yeah, yes. So that, that was another huge part of this because uh, we couldn't have gotten the ball, which would have been absolutely huge. But yeah, uh, I remember when we got the rebound, I was like, why on earth did we not call a timeout? Sharp does his best, but unfortunately... Uh, obviously doesn't get it to go in. A charge goes to Podzimski instead, or to Sharp because of Podzimski. Uh, just uh, unfortunate, man. A at the end of the day, it's just unfortunate. Especially, I just remember being so mad that, like, that looked so obvious that it was off of Stephen Curry's leg. But uh, I think at the time we didn't have a challenge, if I remember correctly, um, or unless Chauncey just decided not to. But I think we didn't have a challenge. Well, we didn't have a timeout anymore, oh, so it didn't matter. Point, yeah, so I yeah. guess it didn't matter. But they refused to review it too, which was yeah. kind of well, weird. Well, no, we didn't have a challenge. That's that's right, because um, otherwise they would have reviewed that the one going off Steph's foot. Kind of surprised they don't review that to be, anyway. Like that's such like yeah for a couple or one year at least. I don't know if it was more than one year, but they like the last two minutes they reviewed any out of bounds stuff, and I don't know. They thought the game was too slowed down or something by that um be kind of nice to have that back up for that game but um yeah the blazers uh there's a long history of uh i don't know if you remember some of this stuff but there was one where uh when markeith morris was with the wizards um yes, he hits I like a three that. after he stepped out of bounds but that's not reviewable and there's all there's been all kinds of stuff like that that's happened to the Blazers and uh, uh, the goaltend in Utah that's not reviewable or whatever. You just opened up a memory, a memory <laughs> I forgot about with the Marquee Morris thing. The Gobert yeah. or not the Gobert, yeah, the Gobert uh, goaltend I will remember forever because of how right. Dame mad how mad Dame was at that yeah. point. But yeah, the Marquee Morris one was brutal too. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, fortunately the Blazers lose again. Um, so, yes, yeah, I mean, the Mavericks game, they probably shouldn't have won, but the Warriors game, they definitely played well enough to win. And the Jazz game, you felt like they should have been more in that game due to who they had in the lineup versus who the Jazz didn't have. Uh, so then we go to last Tuesday, and we played the Suns, who were also kind of struggling. Um, and... We get down 16 in the first quarter. Um, it's looking like another one of those games where we're just going to be trying to play from behind and it's just going to be tough to come back. But uh, they they go on a bit of a run in the second quarter, make the game close, and then just break the game completely open with a big third quarter and take the lead. And then uh, uh, Phoenix kind of made it close towards the end, but... Um, 
the Blazers did a really good job of holding them off and uh, actually played some pretty good defense in that game. Yeah, absolutely dominant second half. I think this is the game where Aiden was like just hitting for mid-range like crazy on his former team, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong about that, though. Just trying to remember all these games at, at this point, especially when we haven't talked in so long. Uh, about it but Anthony Simon scores 23 but yeah, I just remember absolutely just dogging the Suns in uh the, the second <laughs> half and then like I said they did make it close or like I said it did make it close but yeah we outscored them by 18 in the third quarter just an absolute mm -hmm. amazing third quarter this team just got really hot uh right when the second half hit and uh the Phoenix Suns right now um you know obviously have gone through their struggles I think they did they win tonight I don't even know if they won tonight or not but now there's people talking about, should we feel bad for Kevin Durant? Or <laughs> he needs to get out of Phoenix. Like, what are we talking about? I don't know. But, yeah, uh, definitely interesting. Uh, but the whole Kevin Durant thing. Well, he had a huge game tonight. 16 assists, I think. Uh, wow. Triple-double. Yeah, so he had a monster performance. Um, but, yeah, I think they did win. end up winning that game. Um, so, yeah, we get uh, coming off a high then, beating the Suns. And then we come back home and get to play one of the worst teams in the league, the Washington Wizards. And same story, man. Like it was, it was almost exactly like the Jazz game. We just get down huge early, and there's a horrible second quarter once again. And uh, it's like, what the heck are we doing? Like, um, you know, we're we're favored to win for the second time this year, and uh, just. That was absolutely frustrating game. Um, they every time they seemed like they were going to be like, okay, they're going to come back and and get in this. The Wizards would hit like Tyus Jones would hit a like shot clock ending three point shot or something, or Kyle Kuzma would hit a shot or get fouled or something, and and uh, it just seemed like we could not. Every time we made a run, they hit a big shot to move back up 11 or something. But then in the fourth, uh, Mr. Anthony Simons catches fire, scores 22 points in the quarter, uh, which is amazing considering uh, at the end, he misses a lay-in um, that would have put us up one uh, with, I believe about 15 seconds left or so, or maybe a little more than that. Um, that was a tough break as it rims off. Aiton had a couple of uh, chip shot lay-ins, one off a nice uh, lob from Thibault, and he missed uh, a point-blank lay-in. It gets his own rebound and misses again on the same possession, unfortunately. And then uh, the Blazers, uh, so they end up fouling Kuzma, and Kuzma makes the first one, misses the second one. Uh, Aiton and Thibel kind of collide <laughs> getting the rebound, and it bounces right to Kuzma again, and Anthony has to foul him. Uh, and so, unfortunately, uh, he goes back to the line. We should have had the ball only down two in that scenario with more time on the clock and all that. Um, and so... Kuzma ends up missing the first free throw, makes the second one. So we were down three. The Blazers have uh, still two timeouts, so they use one of them, set up a nice play to get Anthony going downhill from like all the way on the from the other side of the court. Uh, so he score gets to the basket, dunks it, cut it back to two, or cut it back to one uh, with I think there was like seven or eight seconds left. And on the inbounds pass, uh, I believe it was to Poole, Thibel, uh swipes the ball away from behind. The refs call a foul. The Blazers luckily still have their challenge, which they use. And uh, they win the challenge. Uh, it was deemed that Thibel got the ball, and uh, but there was no clear possession, so there was a jump ball. Uh, Thibel actually wins the jump ball over Poole, and then Aiton immediately calls timeout, learning from his mistake from the Warriors game. And the Blazers set up a play. It looks like the exact same play they just ran, except for Amferty never gets a chance to get the ball because Grant takes the ball and drives to the hoop. 
and throws up real a really bad left-handed shot that doesn't even come close to going um, in or or having a chance to go in, and uh, the time runs out and the Blazers lose by one to the Wizards. Just yeah, a just, devastating game, man. Yeah, it was such a frustrating game. I I did not like to play at the end. It was such a I didn't feel like there was enough time on the clock for that such a long developing play where Simon says it come from half court. And another thing that frustrated me, the biggest thing that frustrated me from this game is the timeout that Chauncey took when we had all the momentum in the world, the, you know, lose it timeout or whatever. It it was not necessary whatsoever. We had all the momentum. The crowd was loud. The Wizards just missed the, missed the shot and we were on a run and Chauncey decides to call a timeout made no sense to me when he called it. I was so upset. I'm like, bro, why are we calling a timeout right now? Like that doesn't make any sense. I get it. We're going to lose the timeout, but when the momentum and the crowd is loud, I just don't understand the timing of that timeout whatsoever. I thought it was very dumb and I thought it was a huge reason why we lost this game, to be honest. Yeah. It's one of those things where I feel like you have to use your intuition a little bit. You can't just be so stubborn and rigid that you, have to call timeout every time without losing losing one. I mean, does it really matter if we lose the timeout there? If if we're if we take the lead and we're playing well, you know, it's it. it I don't know. I, I agree with you that the momentum should have been uh, more important at that point. Uh, let them call timeout, um, but yeah, you don't ruin your own teams. Uh, run like that 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 was silly um i completely agree with you there i hated it so much man that timeout absolutely was brutal i'm like bro why are we calling this timeout right now just brutal man i don't even know what we need to talk about that moment like this team the team was rolling at that point yeah and i think we could have won the give game give the ball to effort and get out of the way yeah, like that, <laughs> that's all we needed to do like i uh, just a, such a dumb timeout, and mm. it, it frustrated me. And uh, yeah, I think it was a, such a bad decision by Chauncey. Yeah, in my opinion, so there's been games this year where um, I'm trying. To, I think it was like one of the first times we played the Kings. Might have been a different game, but there was a game where like Aiton down the stretch had hit a couple of big shots, and uh, I felt like we had the ball at the end that he should have gotten a chance to maybe hit a big shot and it could have really uh, catapulted his mindset and attitude the rest of the season. If he's being, um, you know, given a chance to make a game winning shot like that. And I, I think it was tied or something. So if he missed, like it doesn't really matter that much. And we ended up missing going to overtime anyway. Um, And then there's been times where I feel like, you know, Grant does have the ability to get a shot off. So even if your play kind of breaks down, Grant's a good option to get a shot off. Um, there's been games where I've wanted Scoot to at least be in there at the end, you know, just to get that experience and maybe get to take a tough shot at the end. Um, but in this particular case, when you have a guy who scored 22 points in a quarter, I feel like you have to let him try to finish that game. And it's I, I feel like it's kind of a failure to not let him have the last shot or try to create because he can get a shot off over most players. Um, if they double team him quick, someone's open. So you just pass quick and you should get a wide open shot at the buzzer by one of your other players in the game. Uh, but I thought in this particular game that Anthony deserved to get the last shot. Absolutely. I think I don't even think Jeremy Grant should have had the ball in that situation. Should have just been in Simon's hand the whole time in that scenario. But um, obviously, we know how it went. You know, yep. it was supposed to go to Anthony, so, so Chauncey says, but Grant obviously decided to take it himself and did not work out whatsoever. All right. And then we go to play the Warriors again. And this time, um, the Warriors looked pretty good and they ended up beating us by like 20. Um, there are points where the game was a little closer than that, but, um, they definitely, that was the one time where I think we played them three times so far this year. That was the one time that we didn't really seem to have it at the end there and, uh, didn't really have a chance to win. 
Yeah, all around is not a great game by any means. They blow us out in the second quarter. They outscore us 34-16. to 16. Just a brutal game. I don't have a lot to say about this one. I don't think I watched this one uh, enough to have an opinion. But, uh, yeah, absolutely brutal. Uh, Clay cooks us. Steph cooks us. No, Flash Brothers cook us. Yep. And then so they go into Christmas uh, having, you know, they won, they beat the Suns, but, you know, five of the previous six games were losses. I think they're more than that if you go back further, but just in terms of the last six games prior to that. Um, and you just look at that, you know, the Warriors game, the first Warriors game, and the Jazz and Wizards game like, is just what could have been. Uh, if you win those three, all of a sudden you're creeping a little closer to 500 and maybe you're feeling pretty good about things after Christmas. Um, you get some guys healthy. You get some guys like Sharp playing – or not Sharp, but uh, Scoot starting to play a little better um, and really contributing. Um, and you think maybe this team could go on a little bit of a run. Um, but uh, – it's really tough to think that after you lose to the wizards and the, and the jazz without their players. So um, wasn't really expecting much coming out of Christmas uh, from this team. And what do you know? They, they uh, welcome the Kings to town and uh, just have one of their best performances of the year. And uh, the bench in particular, uh, do up wreath, uh, Jabari Walker, Scoot Henderson, all, with big games, Stiebel was really good in that one as well. And, uh, yeah, they they end up, uh, despite allowing really good games from Darren Fox and uh, Demonta Sabonis, they find a way to uh, really play really well and, and just beat the Kings and never really let the Kings back in the game. Yeah, if you would have told me that Sabonis and Fox were going to combine for 77, <laughs> I didn't think we were going to win this right? game. But literally, outside of those two, no one did anything. Like, no literally, no one was able to get anything going. Uh, but, you know, obviously, we're the complete opposite. Simons has a good, a good game. Brogdon. And, of course, Duop Reef. Uh, you know, at home, Nas Reed, what some people like to call him. Like, he's been, honestly, pretty solid for the most part. 25 and 9 hits uh, a couple threes in this one. Scoot, 17 points off the bench. And Jabari Walker, all-around great bench performance. And uh, we just, you know, obviously beat the Kings out of the gym in this one. And uh, it was nice. It was nice to get a win. And it was nice to get a convincing win on top of that, especially against a solid Kings team like this in the Western Conference. Uh, fun game. Very fun game. It was really cool watching us play great basketball for once. So we we win this game. Uh, we're, I think we're nine and a half point underdogs. We lose the two games we're favored <laughs> at home. Uh, we almost beat the Warriors once. We beat the Suns. Uh do you have any grasp on this team, like what to expect on a nightly basis or what, like next game? Uh, we played the Spurs now twice in a row, both at home. Wemby is going to be sitting for at least one of them. We also know that Sharp and uh, Aiden are both out for at least the first game of of the doubleheader or the back-to-back. -back. Um, so... <laughs> Do we have any confidence that they could beat a really bad Spurs team at least one of these two games? Or what are you thinking uh, heading into these two? So my expectations as far as when I watch Blazers game, I always expect to at least be in the game. It just feels like this team is good enough to be in the game. And then obviously when you get down the stretch, that's when things could obviously go south. Uh, of course, they've gotten blown out a couple times, don't get me wrong. But it just feels like... Uh, you know, we've been in these games, which is great, and it's awesome, and it's cool to be competitive. It would be awesome if we were able to win some of these games, but it hasn't really been going that way for the most part, as we know. San Antonio, obviously not a very good team. Wimby is going to not play in both these games. He's going to sit out at least one of them. Uh, I can't. I don't know which one it is, but um, regardless, both at home. Uh, I, you know, I would love to be able to go, you know, sit here and say, we're going to win both of these, but I can't confidently say that, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, the biggest thing for me is, you know, Scoot and Wim and Yama when they played each other uh, back then when they were, you know, obviously before they came into the draft, it was such a big deal. Um, Scoot had a great game against Wimby. I would love to see if, you know, maybe him playing against Webb and Yama would 
ignite something from Scoot. I mean, he had a great dunk in this last game, looked super confident going to the rim. Uh, you know, he, the game is really starting to slow down for Scoot, and, I, you know, I love to see it. Obviously, um, you know, still a little inconsistent at times, but uh, it, it's been more positive than good as of late, or more positive than bad, in my opinion, as of late. Uh, but, you know, I don't really know what to expect, but uh, I expect some close games. You know, it would be awesome if we can run the Spurs out of the gym, uh, but they have some good players as well. Vassell, uh, I still have Zach Collins, maybe a revenge game for him or whatever. Uh, and then, you know, Wimby, when he plays, uh, can be very good as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, hopefully Scoot can continue his good play of late. Um, the thing I've been most impressed with Scoot is his passing. And it's something that I thought was going to show itself more this year. But Scoot has got, done an incredible job of throwing passes right in the shooting pocket. And uh, what that means is um, when a player catches the ball, he's like right where he likes it to go ahead and shoot. And um, he's thrown some passes from really tough angles and like across the court all the way to the far corner. And they've been right on the money, right in that shooting pocket. And uh, that's really encouraging to see because um, if he can at least provide that playmaking, um, I think the the finishing and the shooting and all that stuff doesn't need to necessarily show itself this year as, as uh, you know, being really good. Of course, you'd love to see him shoot the ball well and develop that shooting and, and seem more comfortable with the ball in his hands going to the basket. But I'm mostly concerned with him setting up his teammates and using his athleticism to get the ball to, to his teammates to get good shots. And if I'm seeing that, uh, that's that's all I really need to be encouraged by him moving forward this year. And uh, I think he can be a 10 assist guy eventually in the NBA with his passing skills. So it's nice to see him flash some of those over the, the recent stretch. Absolutely. Scoop 100%. I'm loving what I'm seeing from him as of late. Uh, you know, I expect him to come out here and just dominate these next two games, hopefully. And, uh, you know, hopefully we are walking out of this first stretch 2-0. That'd be awesome if we could sit here and say It'd be that. a three-game win streak, yeah. Yeah, probably. and then, man, we get, we're playing the same – we keep playing the same teams, I feel, I feel like. When we get the Suns, the Mavericks, the Mavericks again after that, like this just mm -hmm. feels like we keep playing the same guys. But, uh, um, yeah, hopefully we can go on a three-game win streak. That'd be awesome. Yeah, we haven't played uh, – so – Portland has the toughest remaining schedule uh, in the league because we haven't played Denver yet. Um, I think there's a, a couple other good teams like Boston and stuff. I know we only played them twice, but we haven't played them yet either. We haven't played so Minnesota still, yet either, have we? And I don't think we played Minnesota either. Yeah. yeah so uh, that's that's a lot of good teams that we haven't played yet. The Rockets uh, we haven't played, I feel like, unless we did. I don't think we did, though. No, I don't think we Bulls. played the Rockets. Uh, we played the Bucks one time, but obviously that's going to be Dame's return mm -hmm. to the Moda Center. That would be fun. Um, but, yeah, um, you know, we'll get some different teams coming here soon. It feels like we're playing the same teams over and over again. Yep. All right. So uh, we've talked about the Blazers a little bit. It's time for who's crushing it. Uh, who has caught your eye recently, and uh, who, who do you want to bring up first <laughs> on this I'm going to start with, uh, from the yesterday's games, uh, Vucevic gets ruled out. Andre Drummond goes out there and has a 2020 <laughs> game, uh, yeah. which was just absolutely amazing. So I, I got to start with Andre Drummond. Obviously, that's not like a long-term thing, uh, but, you know, just out of nowhere, the man has a 2020 game in the absence yeah. of Nikola Vucevic. So that was a lot of fun uh, and a yeah. win as well. So uh, great game from Andre Drummond. Yeah, during the Suns game, I was on the uh, Suns Valley podcast. They do live watch parties and stuff. So when they play the Blazers, they usually have Tori on and stuff. And I try to go on when I can. But um, they asked me a lot about, like, what the Suns need to do or whatever. And I mentioned Andre Drummond is, like, a guy that I would go and target if the Bulls are clearing house and and you probably get him for cheap. And then he goes down and has that game. I'm like, oh, they're probably – 
puts him out of the price range for you, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think if I was the Bulls, I'd probably look to move a lot of those guys um, and get what you can for them. But who knows what the heck the Bulls will do because they're the Bulls. Yeah, the Bulls are always a, a confusing team. Uh, but yeah, Andre Drummond, 24-25. What a great game from him out of nowhere. Uh, but yeah. Next one. Well, uh, since you just mentioned one good game, uh, since we last spoke, Keegan Murray had a game where he hit 12 threes and had 47 points. Uh, got that was going to be gotta, my next one, actually, Keegan Murray. Yeah, <laughs> got to mention him as crushing it. Uh, he, he had a horrible game against the Blazers, uh, but – uh, he's been playing really well um, outside of that. And uh, yeah, anytime you hit 12 threes in a game, he was 12 for 13 at one point before he chucked two more and, and missed them. But uh, just uh, a huge game for him with those 47. So yeah, Keegan Murray was going to be my next one. Um, uh, but if I skip to my last one, uh, obviously this guy is kind of a stud as it is already. Uh, but Jalen Brunson, just absolutely, okay. uh, he's been amazing for the Knicks, uh, 24 in the last game, but uh, obviously he plays the Bucks on Christmas, plays them before that as well, drops 36 and 38 on both of them as a 50 point game uh, against the Suns on December 15th. Uh, just, he's been, he's been cooking simply. I mean, he's been exactly what the Knicks have needed. And, uh, you know, maybe people were questioning if last year was just like, going to be a one you know one year thing obviously he was pretty good in dallas before that as well but um he's obviously shown that he will be the you know franchise point guard for the Knicks for years to come oh, i thought he wasn't a 1a what do you mean <laughs> the, you didn't see the <laughs> becky hammond comments that everyone was oh no what would uh, you say oh uh, yeah well i mean just it's not just becky there's a lot of people who share this opinion but yeah there was a big debate uh, right before Christmas about Jalen Brunson not being a can't be your number one option or whatever and uh, yeah so he's gone out yeah over the last seven games he's shooting 51 percent from the field 51.4 percent from three averaging over 30 points per game with 6.7 assists and 5.4 rebounds I mean that's just huge numbers and uh, he's doing his best to carry uh carry that Knicks team and they, they finally beat the Bucks. They had lost I think nine in a row prior to that. Um so they finally got a, a dub over them on Christmas. Yeah it was a fun game to start the day for sure. Yeah uh so a few more guys I have on my list uh Jalen Williams for OKC over the last three games uh including um which will be last night uh, 28.3 points per game over that three games. He's shooting 31 of 45 from the field, which is 68.9%, and 11 of 16 from three over those three games, which is 68.8% from three, just turning into a stud. Um, anytime you can average 30 points per game on 83% true shooting percentage is just insane numbers. And, of course, SGA – and now Chet get a lot of attention. And, uh, I mean, Jalen Williams should be getting a lot of attention too, but uh, he's just been able to get uh, some pretty good looks based on how much the defense has to focus on SGA. And uh, he's taken full advantage of it, and the Thunder look dang tough right now. Another one I have, uh, although he's an obvious guy, um, I forgot about him. I was going to put him in here. Um, would be for me, John ja Morant, since he's come back, he's been amazing for the Grizzlies. He's been the absolute fire that they needed to their wood or whatever. That was a terrible analogy, but you get what I'm trying to say. Uh, he has been, uh, great 34 points, uh, in his first game back against the Pelicans, I believe it was, um, and our, our, yeah, against the Pelicans. And he's just been fun. And he also has the game winner over Herb Jones. Uh, what a just great, you know, comeback from John ja Morant, obviously, uh, a team that desperately needed him really badly. And uh, first game back, absolutely amazing. And he's been good ever since. They're on a four-game win streak right now. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh, that's the most important part for Memphis is those four wins in a row, unless you wanted them to tank this season and just call it a season. But, man, they're tough with Jaw. And uh, he's – you know he's not going to be shooting the three. I think he's shooting, like, 
16% or something from threes <laughs> since he's been back, but um, you still cannot prevent him from getting to the rim or getting into the paint, uh, no matter how loaded your defense is uh, to stop it. And so, um, yeah, I mean, the fact that they've won all four games since he's been back and he's averaging 28.8, eight and a half assists and 5.3 rebounds in those four games. Uh, yeah, he's played really well since he came back. And it was pretty much the juice that they needed really badly, of course. With how <laughs> yes. bad their season has gone, they needed him bad. Yes, they still have some injury issues, especially at their center position. But um, that's that's a team that could sneak up. And that that's why I wanted to – or I was disappointed that the Blazers didn't win some of those seemingly winnable games is because I feel like we're going to watch a team like Memphis go from – where we were at in the standings back into the playoff picture at some point this season. And, uh, you know, a little bit of me would be like, well, why couldn't that have been us? We have um, a little bit more rounded roster, I feel like, than Memphis does and should have been in a little bit better position uh, through the first 25 games than they did. Um, So, yeah, it's just a little frustrating watching a team like that just explode when they get their guy back. Yeah, definitely. A uh, couple other things I wanted to mention. Embiid had 51 about a week and a half ago and is averaging 40 over his last six games. Um, so he's obviously the reigning MVP, but is is on another level right now. When he's played, he's missed the last two games, unfortunately. But uh, the 76ers are uh, – we talked about it on Hoops Crush before, but – they're going to be uh, one of those teams that everyone should keep an eye on from now until the trade deadline because they kind of – what they end up doing will determine a lot for the rest of this season in terms of uh, the playoff race and stuff because if they go for it this year, they could be a really tough out uh, for Boston or the Bucks or whoever it is in the East. And uh, if they don't – uh, and they just kind of give up another season of Embiid at, at this level, uh, you got to kind of question whether that was the right move or not. So uh, definitely an interesting situation to keep your eye on. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, it's not a matter of if they do, it better be when they get someone in the <laughs> right. line. They should not waste any more time than, you know, obviously Maury really hasn't wasted time necessarily. The Sixers in general haven't. They've always been pretty aggressive for the most part. But mm-hmm. this is not the time to be complacent. Uh, you know, go do something at the deadline. They have the assets. They have the expiring contracts. Uh, obviously, it's going to determine or it's going to you know, obviously be dependent on who becomes available. But there is going to be guys available, I would imagine. Obviously, the deadline is always active. So, Philadelphia, right. you're going to need someone to put you over the top. And, you know, obviously, Milwaukee, Boston, the seven-game series. You got to try to avoid them um, if you in or if you get lucky to avoid them. But if you're going to have to play one of them, you know, eventually in the second round or conference finals, most likely you're going to need probably a little bit more firepower than they have. And they should absolutely pull the trigger on doing something. Yeah, someone asked uh, this morning if I thought that the 76ers have a chance or Embiid has a chance of shaking off his playoff woes this year. And I, I think unless they make a big move, I, the only way I could see it outside of injuries to other teams is if somehow they avoided Boston and Milwaukee in the first two rounds. And maybe then Embiid can finally get out of the second round. But I feel like, I mean, one of those teams is going to be the one seed and then the other one's probably going to be second or third. So, uh, even if the, Philly's second, they're still going to have to play whichever one of those two teams is third, probably Milwaukee, in the second round anyway. So I, I don't think there's any way, unless they get super lucky, to avoid that. But, uh, yeah, I would agree with you. They kind of – I think they kind of owe it to me to go for it this year. Jeremy Grant's on the way. Don't worry, Philadelphia. <laughs> um, and then uh, – a team, uh, the Houston Rockets that you mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, your number one young core under 25, right? Yeah. Uh, well, one of those guys, Jabari Smith, 
um, is finally starting to play like the top three pick he was. Um, recent games of 34 and 13, 21 and 8, and 26 and 11. Um, his three point shooting on the season's up to 37.1%. Uh, he was supposed to be a really good three point shooter um, with length. And uh, he's been a solid defender since he came in the league. Uh, but nice to see him string some good offensive games together as well. Absolutely. Jabari. I don't even know if I honestly don't genuinely feel like I haven't watched a single Rockets game this year. Like, genuinely, oh, really? I don't think I have. Yeah, it's kind of well, crazy to think about. But uh, they're pretty good. 15 and 14, a lot better than I even anticipated. Well, all the social media is a buzz about Jalen Green's regression this year. Um, that's been the main thing. He is definitely not crushing it right now. But um, Jalen Green, uh, I don't know what Houston does if they realistically move him or not but uh he's a guy who's just absolutely struggling uh all his shooting splits and efficiency numbers and all that have plummeted this year and uh he just does not look like uh a number two pick or uh uh the guy he looked like even last year um so they they have a bit of a problem on their hands they're they're doing fine without getting much from him right now um mainly because part of their whole offseason plan was to uh bring in vets that could play uh and take time and pressure off of some of the young guys um but yeah what do you do if you're houston do you look to move him at his low point or do you just hold on to him and hope he turns it around at some point? Well, I'll tell you what, 2K loves Jalen Green. He progresses like crazy in that game. Yeah. But um, in real life, it's tough to say. I mean, I think you just kind of have to hold out hope that eventually he'll turn it around. Uh, but if you're looking at it and maybe you're he's on the last year of his rookie contract and things aren't still looking like they're going to turn around then maybe uh you look to move him and i don't know if that's in uh sell him you know for a you know draft pick or if that means throwing him in a trade for another go get a veteran type of trade like you know jalen groom to be a nice centerpiece i feel like a young guy that might you know some teams maybe are still willing to take a chance on so mm -hmm. i think houston's in a decent position whatever they decide to do because they do have a lot of assets they have the brooklyn's picks of course um, so yeah, I mean, and then their pick this year is top four protected, but I don't, looks like they're not going to be bad enough for it. So, um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I would do in Houston's shoes, honestly, if Jalen Green continues to struggle, cause that's gonna be a tough decision for them. Yeah. I feel like Houston's going to do like the Pelicans did this a couple of years ago, although they were a little further back in the standings when they did this, but it's like some teams just. They want to make the playoffs so bad, like Sacramento last year as well. They they do everything they can just with that in mind, like just make the playoffs this year, make the playoffs. And uh, I, I don't think that's the right approach for a young team, but um, I do think that they – I don't know if they'll trade Jalen, but um, I do think they'll make some sort of moves um, with some of their young pieces to just – try and make sure they stay in that playoff race. Um, and I, I don't know if that's the right move or not, but uh, I, I feel like that's going to be their play coming up here in the next month and a half. Yeah, I mean, I also remember something about Houston where uh, that account, I forgot what, dropping dimes. So you said something about uh, Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon to Houston. Uh, and, you know, obviously, he <laughs> had a lot of uh, things he got right. There were some things he got wrong, but um you know hey if houston wants malcolm brogdon they want us to see they like almond thompson or tari easton's <laughs> obviously <laughs> probably not gonna happen but if they want brogdon you know because i feel like that i feel like you're right i feel like in a sense that you know where uh new orleans went for cj mccollum i could see kind of a similar thing you know with houston potentially going after whoever it may be to bolster their veteran core which don't you know they have dylan brooks now jeff green uh fred and bleat so they could continue to add to their veteran core while still having some of their young core, depending on who they move in that scenario. So uh, Houston's an interesting team. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do uh, as we approach the deadline. Cause I can see them being pretty aggressive. For sure. What other teams are you going to have your eye on in terms of 
trading and stuff coming up at the deadline uh i mean first 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 team that comes to mind is and again it, it feels like they never do but sam presti does he decide to do anything mm. rash to you know obviously be aggressive obviously you could talk about the raptors are they gonna finally sell i don't want to see Occam or og I feel like they at least got to trade Siakam. Like, I just don't think you can let walk, let Fred Lee and then Siakam walk back-to-back. I think that'd be a really bad look. They're at the 12th seed. The Hawks are apparently going to look to trade DeJounte Murray after they just extended him and gave up all that they did for him. So, they're looking like they're going to reset some things. Chicago, Brooklyn. Like, there is going to be a lot of teams I'm curious to see. And the big one, obviously... Does Cleveland trade Donovan Mitchell, the worst kept secret in the NBA? Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I think Donovan Mitchell has been really professional in the sense that every time something has come out, like he just like kind of focuses on where he's at. Uh, mm. But obviously, people talk and how true the rumors are, I'm not really sure. But uh, we'll see what happens, man. Um, and then Detroit, apparently from Shams, they want to go get a four, uh, you know, whether it's Siakam, you know, Grant or OG, man, I feel bad for whoever has to get sent to Detroit, at least this season, because they're not going anywhere. Uh, but well, Jeremy lights it there. Send him back. Yeah, yeah. If he wants to go back, I know uh, we've been talking about a Thompson. Thompson is probably not going to happen, but, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, Detroit, she's going to be interesting as well. Washington, there's going to be so many teams I'm going to be keeping an eye on, to be honest. So if you're OKC, is there a particular player you're you you target if they did decide to go all in? Uh, there's one big name that everyone says would be a perfect fit for them. I know, isn't it Lori Markkinen that everyone? Lori Markkinen, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that'd be beautiful. Uh, Lori, it's I it I saw it I think on Twitter the other day, or I don't remember where I saw it, but I remember someone talking about it. So uh, yeah, I think that's that's something I didn't even consider, and I think that's actually fantastic. They could plug him in. Uh, at the three pro- or not at the four with Chad, if they wanted to, uh, I don't know what they would, you know, what their lineup would look like, but, uh, yeah, I love it. Laurie marketing, I think could make some sense. And obviously Oklahoma city would easily have the assets to pull it off if they want to. Um, and he's not going to be very expensive, at least for a couple seasons, uh, as far as salary is concerned. Um, yeah, I'm curious to see if Oklahoma city does something, man, cause they're on the top of the standings at the moment. Uh, you got the two stars in the West young stars with Edwards and Shea dominating at the moment so um I, I can't wait to see if they if they do something yeah Inge probably makes Presti overpay a little bit for him but uh like you said they have the capital to do it they have you know some contracts like Berton's contract and stuff that they can use to get it done um so yeah uh man that lineup is sick if they add marketing um he's he'd fit in so nicely there and uh chet can cover a lot of the defensive deficiencies um but they still have pretty good defenders at other positions and then they have enough scoring i think to possibly contend this year if they get marketing so uh that's that's a pretty scary team if they get him so i'm kind of hoping they don't but um yeah if i'm the thunder i'd I'd definitely look into going all in for, for a guy like him. It kind of reminded me when uh, New Orleans got Nikola Miritich, when you have AD at the mm-hmm. five, who obviously can play, you know, defense and uh, just, you know, we remember as Blazers fans, what the Pelicans Throwing it back was. to 2018. Yeah, when they, when they got Nikola Miritich and how good he was at spacing the floor for that team, it was absolutely absurd how many threes he was hitting against us in that mm-hmm. series. Uh, so, yeah. It kind of remind me of that where you know Chet's playing the five, marking and stretching the four, or stretching the floor at the four, so or or at the three if they continue to play him there as well. You know they could do whatever they want, uh, but yeah, uh, marketing in Oklahoma City. Once I heard that, I was like, man, that is a great idea. They should do that. Will they do it? Obviously, we'll see. <laughs> and if you like uh, rebuilds and um, you know team specific uh you know trade ideas and things like that make sure you check out crushables uh youtube channel youtube channel just like it sounds <laughs> crushables um find out why he did a rebuild of the rockets uh yesterday um and he's not proud of it <laughs> there's uh, a dumb trade i made in this video i, <laughs> yeah. I, I so regretted it once i did it it made no sense 
Yeah. Uh, I kind of went off the rails a little bit, which I tend not to do. Uh, but then, this conversation has motivated me to do something with that that thunder idea. I might have to do a video okay. on that. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so look forward to that in the next few days, hopefully. And then, uh, yeah, uh, two days ago, we had a, a, what his perfect roster around the mellow ball would look like. <laughs> so go ahead and check that out and subscribe to his channel as well. Um, appreciate everyone for checking that out for our guy Brady over there. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, um, was there any other NBA topics you wanted to hit tonight or? Yeah. One uh, more thing. No one should feel bad for Kevin Durant. No one. <laughs> I don't know why that's being talked about. It makes no sense to me. Uh, there's a report coming out that Katie is frustrated with the Phoenix. That came from Woj actually saying that it was like on Christmas day, I think where it says KD is frustrated. He wants changes on the roster already. Like what is the son? What do you expect the sons to do? Like they're not going to be able to do too much, obviously because Brad, the Beal's injury, but it's not like that's the son's fault. <laughs> like no one should feel bad for Kevin Durant. No. Like yep. that quote for Brandon Jennings was absolutely ridiculous. Like to, <laughs> to be fair, Kevin Durant disputed that he said that. But, that that's uh, true. Or is feeling that way. But, I mean, that is a guy who has taken the easy way out of a lot of other situations or tried to form super teams and all that. So, would it surprise anyone if that was true? No. Which is why uh, I believed it. I was like, there's man. no way this is happening right now. Man, I still... It, it's just... Like, I know they built it around... I mean, KD hasn't been the most healthy person the last few years. Beal's been hurt every year recently. So I know it's kind of fragile to begin with, but you can't, you can't like give up on something that hasn't even had a chance to manifest itself yet. And Beal's not like seriously hurt. So hopefully he can come back and they can play some games together. Um, it is kind of shaping out like the Brooklyn situation where they only had, um, you know, a, a small span of games where all three of them played together. Um, but when you base your whole offseason on forming a big three like that, and you had to fill in depth with a bunch of minimum contracts and stuff, I don't think you can judge a team or how they're doing based on not having one of those three guys in the lineup pretty much the entire season. Uh, so I still if I'm the Suns, wouldn't do anything too rash and just like blow it up or trade them, you know, trade Booker or trade KD or whatever. Like I still think if you if you get a little bit of injury luck with Beal, uh, that you could put it together and still be a really good team this year. So where do you like since it came from Woj, it made me feel like it was a little bit more legitimate. Where do you even think Woj got that from if it didn't come from Durant. Like, I don't, I'm curious to see where. Oh, uh, well, I mean, it could be Durant's agent. Um, it could be other teams that want <laughs> uh, it to blow up there. Uh, you know, leaking that information. Um, I mean, it could be that Katie said something along the lines of he's frustrated and but he didn't mean like he wanted out or anything or wanted people traded or whatever it just um but i mean you have to look at some of the signings they made haven't really panned out um and you know you have to hit on those guys if you're you don't have a lot of options for building out depth so at some point, I do think, like I mentioned with Andre Drummond earlier, or um, I, I still think they need a, a true point guard to to just absorb a little bit of minutes um, and take some of the load off of Booker. Um, and I think they need a legit backup center, although Azubuke played pretty good. They, they finally played him in front of Eubanks tonight, and uh, it worked out pretty well. Um, but I still think they, they need a, a true one and a true backup center, um, 
and then if they're healthy, I think they're fine on the wings, um, mixing and matching some of those pieces. But um, I would definitely say that KD is more just frustrated that they didn't really put together the most complete roster, knowing that um, that does put a lot of pressure on Beal and Booker to handle handle a lot of the offense and stuff and then tires them out for defense. So um, I don't know if that was the best decision to make. Like Booker has been fine as a point guard, but like I said, it takes away a lot from his ability to play defense and stuff when he's expending so much energy trying to um, create offense on the other end. And then, um, I mean, Katie's also getting old. uh, So you don't know how much longer he's going to be at his peak either. Uh, all right you good yes. man you good? <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> <All good. laughs> so uh yeah i was really sick uh like i said over christmas but uh so i i i feel fine it's just i can't get rid of this cough you know like it it's fine most of the day and then i just had like a couple coughing fits and it's just horrible man coughing i know you were sick a, a few weeks ago too but. yeah no cough, uh, thankfully, uh, but hope that gets better soon. All right, so the Hoopstock prospect of the week. Uh, we're going to dig into some of these G League Ignite guys. Uh, so the first one we're going to talk about is Modest Bazelis. Uh, he's listed as 6'10". Do you know much about Modest? Heard of him, uh, and, uh, you know, I've seen some stats, lines from him, and, uh, you know, I've drafted him a couple times in the good old 2K but outside yeah. of that, you know, not too much information on him. Yeah, so the G League usually are just recently had their uh, showcase, um, which is where all the teams kind of get together in Vegas and have like a, a tournament style. Uh, and all the GMs were there or a lot of the front office personnel. Uh, that's um, a lot of people talk about December 15th when some of the free agents are available to be traded as the unofficial opening a trade season. Um, but now it's become this event is because when you get player or uh, these front office people in the same room talking uh, or in the same gym, conversations are had just kind of like what happens with summer league. And uh, so, yeah, this, this could spur some, Trade activity, I think that's why we've heard a lot of rumors over the last uh, few days as well. Uh, but the the Ignite, uh, they just have not been a very good team this year. Um, and uh, Bazellus kind of struggled in the showcase. Uh, but prior to that, they played the remix, uh, Portland's G League team, twice in a row. And he had two really good games, including a game winner against portland um he's listed as six foot ten i don't he looks kind of he looks kind of smaller than six i don't know it's weird like all these prospects this year i feel like are like an inch or two shorter than they're listed as but if he's a legit six ten i think it'll really help boost his stock into uh i i if he lists if he's officially six ten um i think he'll probably go in the top five if he's a little smaller he could fall a little bit uh his number one trait is his scoring prowess uh he can pretty much create a shot from all three levels and his shooting percentage from three is not good it's only 22.2 percent this year but the potential for shooting is definitely there got a real nice looking shot yeah he uh but yeah he he plays a lot like a guard at 6'10 on offense. Uh, so he can handle the ball a little bit, uh, get to his spots, has a little turnaround jumper or uh, a little sidestep jump shot. Um, looks really nice. Like I said, he isn't hitting a super high percentage of them, but you can definitely see the potential to be a three-level scorer and uh, really – I I think he'll definitely be able to score the ball at the next level. Um, he needs to get stronger. Uh, definitely, he's he's very skinny. Um, 
will get pushed around a lot initially in the NBA. Um, and, uh, you know, he's not as tall as Chet and, and Wimby and stuff. So you're not going to get the same like defensive abilities, uh, just by them being freaks of nature at, at seven feet tall or whatever. So, uh, he's definitely going to have to put on some, some weight. Um, I would like to see him use his uh, frame a, a little bit better to, I think he can get uh, better shots uh, because he's so tall and lengthy. Um, and I'd also like to see him improve his playmaking a little bit. He's only averaging about 1.7 assists per game. So not passing a ton. I feel like he could see over the top of a lot of defenses and, uh, start passing the ball a little bit more. Um, so yeah, defense needs to improve. He is averaging over a block and a steal per game, but it's it's always kind of hard to know defensive stats in the G League, how much those would translate to the NBA. Um, and his he's shooting over 60% from two and 76.9% from the free throw line. So those are usually pretty good indicators on some ability to improve his shot. Um, so, yeah, just a pretty good prospect and probably going to be a top five pick. I have no um, slogan for Mont- Montez Buzelis. I wouldn't even pretend to know how we could make a slogan to tank for him. So uh, my part in this will be non-existent, unfortunately. But uh looks like Eric is uh, ready to end this one. <laughs> I think he's confident enough to end this episode. So Man. that is going to uh, do it for this episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we got, and what? Go ahead. We got, we got to end uh, with a dad joke, though. Okay, what's the dad joke? Uh, see you guys next year. <laughs> yeah, oh, my gosh. Just, that's so lame. We will. <laughs> no, that was funny. I like it. Uh, we will see you guys next year. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, peace out. Go Blazers.